0: And Janie, grace alone, there's only one way to get to heaven, and it is by grace, which means we don't deserve to get there. Isn't that right? How many understand you don't deserve to go to heaven? Because the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope you know that grace As our freedom in our country has been purchased by the blood of many comrades and soldiers of uh, hundreds of years, so our salvation has been purchased by the blood of one dying on the cross, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the service this morning. I've enjoyed the singing and the music and all aspects of it, and I trust that the Lord has blessed your heart as well. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. And we'll be looking at the value of your words, the value of your words. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount, as we've continued on, we have uh, been addressing here the Sermon on the Mount for a few months now, and uh, we've gone into the first three of, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, it talked about our anger, our anger. And it's amazing. He starts with that one. I know that oftentimes I have to deal with my own anger. How many of you have to deal with your own anger at times? All right. You know, you see that we're just going to keep talking about why it's by grace that we need to be saved because we understand who we are. And by the way, God understood who we would be even after he saved us. And yet he still saved us. We talked about in Sunday school this morning, he pursued us not to destroy us. He pursued us to save us. Praise God for that, to rescue us, to give us eternity with him forever and ever. And then he goes into adultery, and we went into a couple of weeks on having adultery in our heart, and we dealt with pornography and, and uh, the uh, things of, of our mindset today in our culture that we're living in. How sad, how tragic it is that we are changing our moral compass from our Judean, Judean Christian background. And then he went into divorce and remarriage. And I would encourage you, if you've not listened to some of these messages, that you would get them online. And uh, we uh, try to get them up there as quick as we can. And uh, the, the one on divorce and remarriage, is, uh, especially Sunday night, is one that is well worth listening to. Uh, I encourage you to listen to that on a Sunday night on uh, on Valentine's Day, um, February 14th, and then uh, on the on the pornography one, um, Josh McDonald is doing a conference back someplace. I think it's in Alabama, but it's a national conference on pornography. As he says, it affects approximately two thirds of our Christian churches, and so um, I preached on. Uh, Uh, about the 1st of February, around there, uh, on real solutions. And I would encourage you to uh, get that message and listen to it as well. And that message can apply not only to pornography, but to any habits or difficulties that we're going through in our lives, which every one of us has difficulties. Can I see a hand on that as well? I'm just trying to make you feel just as bad as you can before we get started today, all right? All right. Because I, I, I'm, going, I'm going to the value of your words, all right? So if you don't feel bad yet, I'll get you before you leave, all right? The value of your words. Now, he says here, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. This will start in verse uh, 33. Let's read it there. He says um, that in old times, thou shalt not forswear. That word forswear is the word for lying or making a pledge that is not true a false witness bearing something falsely, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths, pledges or vows. It's a different word there, something that binds you. you have you've made a commitment. Uh, You've made a covenant or you've made a pledge. And we'll talk about how that affects us in many aspects of our lives, including our military. Did you hear what uh, Glenda said about Dell's pledge, his oath as he entered into the military? He made an oath, as all of our soldiers do. They take an oath. And so uh, oaths are very much a part of our culture today as it was New Testament and Old Testament. He says, but I say unto you, swear not. Now, we'll get into that. Say, well, what does that mean? Don't don't swear or don't take uh, these oaths. And we'll talk about it. And you'll have to read in context so we understand. We never take anything out of context. But don't swear by heaven or by God's throne or by earth, uh, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is a city. "...or of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil." Father, I pray that you'll help us now as we get into this message, that you'll help us to understand the truths of your word and that we might uh, uh, just build upon the truths of the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, you have heard it said, and as we talked about before, as, as we get into the Old Testament law, I, I really wanted to give you, uh, again, the law of the Old Testament. you all see that? Now, we know the first five books, is the Pentateuch, or the Torah, which is the the books of law. But God, in His infinite design, had Israel stay at Mount Sinai for one year in their wilderness journey. And He gave them the law that was to govern them as a theocracy. In other words, under God's rule. That's it. From uh, 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 Exodus 20 to uh, Numbers 10. Now, that looks pretty small, doesn't it? They say, man, there's all these rules and regulations. Well, have you ever read some of the government laws that we have today? Do you think there's maybe even one law that might be as small as that? Uh, So, so much there. But he's going to talk about here as what does the law say? And then understanding that this portion of scriptures, he's trying to correct what people have taken from the law, their interpretations, or how they're conducting themselves based on their information. So it's not just information that we have, but what do we do with the information? How do we apply it to our lives? And he's going to correct, basically, the false teaching of the Pharisees who were the religious leaders who were trying to bring their interpretation in the law. And every one of these, man, he just gets after them. He gets after them. And then he gets to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is always your heart. Now, understand our heart is desperately wicked, so don't follow Hallmark's uh, mindset or philosophy. Just follow your heart. Your heart can lead you astray. But really, the heart of the law is thou shalt love God and love others. Isn't that right? Barrels down to those two things. Love God, love all others. How well are we doing on that? Uh, again, and now he goes into the words. And he talks about these, these things and how we make uh, uh, decisions or how we use our words. How are we, are we people of our word? Are we committed to our words? Our speech is important because it's to reflect Jesus Christ and our actions to others. We're being watched in what we say. Are we true to our words? Is it important to be true to your words? Yes or no? Yes. All right. So the presentation of uh, the Bible. And again, I said this. The Old Testament and the New Testament is filled with commitments, promises, covenants, vows, pledges, and oaths we understand that in fact the old testament is the old covenant if you want to look at it that way and the new testament is the new covenant uh in in the ramifications And i'm not a covenant theologian but there is he reiterates the promises of uh, of god and we see those and he makes those and so he gets into that And talks about even in our commitments in this passage here. And we have today pledges, don't we? We have the Pledge of Allegiance. You'll see in the Old Testament there were pledges to the kings and to national heritage and things like that. There's nothing wrong with making a pledge of allegiance. Now understand, pledges, oaths, and vows are within the context and the conditions of those oaths, pledges, and vows. Pledges oftentimes have to do with finances. Right? When you signed to buy your house, you made a pledge to pay for your house. Isn't that right? We have faith promise pledges here at the church or building fund pledges pledges here at the church and i praise the lord people have taken those things seriously and uh and uh for three four years now people have been given so financially uh consistent to those things and what a blessing but these uh uh, vows oftentimes have to do with weddings we took a vow at wedding yes or no is it important what we put in our vows at our wedding for better for worse I had no idea he would be such a jerk after I married him. (laughs) All right, now you might want to put that. If you're thinking about getting married, you might want to put that in your vow. If he turns out to be a jerk, no, no, this is null and void. No, 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 most of us didn't do that because our love, love is pledging for better, for worse, in sickness and health till, What? All right, those are vows, oaths. We'll go to the court and put our hands upon the Bible and do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God! And you say I will. All right, and those things are part of our culture, and they're they're in there. So uh, pledges, vows, and oaths—the words of responsibility—limiting to those things that you are pledging there and uh, make sure that we are pledging properly. We see this in Psalm and throughout the Scriptures. There's a lot of places like this, but I'll just try to, for sake of time, cover this as quickly as we can so we get to the foundation. He says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hills? He says in verse 4, "And whose eyes a vile person is contempt, uh, but the, the honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not... They understood that when you make a commitment that your word is more important than your welfare. Did you hear what I just said? Your word is more important than your welfare. I'm sure, Brother Dale, you served in Vietnam and there and everything. I'm sure you didn't come up to the sergeant and say, listen, I didn't realize it was going to be so many mosquitoes and muggy and so rotten out here. I'm going home. That wouldn't have worked, would it have? No. Or the pilots uh, going out there and things like that. Our word is more important than our welfare. This is what we get in this portion of uh, scriptures. You'll find in the Bible there were many instances, instances, however you say that word. Sounds almost like I spoke in tongues there, didn't it? Uh, is, is that they made rash vows. Can you think of people who made rash vows in the Bible? All right, let me give you some of these so it reminds you of that. How about Joshua? making the vows to the, I forget, the, the clan that came in and said, man, we've traveled so far and we got moldy bread. Remember that story? How many remember that story? And he said, all right, you can dwell amongst us. Then he found out that, man, they only left a day before and they took moldy bread and took old clothes and put it on to make it look like they had traveled a long distance and they made a vow to them to protect them. And once they found out the truth, even though... They discovered that they had lied. Because they had made a vow to protect them, they had to stay with their commitment. That's an interesting story. Jephthah, the judge. He says, man, whatever comes into my house after battle, I'm going to offer as a sacrifice. Guess who came in first? His daughter. We don't know all the... Uh, the ramifications of what took place after that, because the Bible doesn't go into those, those details. Saul made a commitment. And he says, anybody that eats before evening time, they're going to be executed. Guess what happened? His son had been out to battle, didn't hear it. He'd ate some honey and stuff like that. Came home and oh, his dad was upset and all, but he made a rash vow. He didn't f- f- follow through with it. Uh, and by the way, there are some exclusions in the Old Testament. You'll find that if a man marries a woman and, and uh, she makes a vow and uh, she comes home and tells her husband about it, that the husband can disavow the vow. You all know that story. Or a man gets married and she had made a, a vow per previously when her husband hears about it, then the husband can disavow the vow that she had made even previously. So there's, so there's a lot of things there, but, but that's not what we're living under right now is these Old Testament aspects. But just to understand uh, them, Herod made a vow. Remember after the dance of Herodias? Do you think he was happy he made that vow? How about Darius? Anybody pray to their God uh, will be thrown in the lion's den? Do you think he was upset with that? And then they says, oh, by the laws of the Medes and the Persians, you got to honor that. And so Daniel was thrown in the lion's bed, den and God was honored. And those guys that tried to trick all that, you know what they became. There was also uh, uh, the Jews who sought to kill Paul. I wonder if they starved to this. We're not going to eat until Paul's dead. And Paul got out of the country. Um, there was also Peter who said, I will never forsake you, Lord. How about in Matthew 21 where the, the, the fellow says, I'm not going to go. Remember that story? There was two sons there. One says, I'm not going to go. And the other says, I'll go. And who went? The one that said he wasn't going to go. And the one that said he was going to go didn't go. So those are examples of rash vows. And there's a problem here that uh, the, that is being brought out here. Thou shalt uh, 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 make these oaths. But he's saying, I don't, I'm telling you there's a problem that they had here. And that the Pharisees had come and people had come to this place. And now this can start applying to us because we start seeing principles and we apply them to our lives and we take liberty that maybe we shouldn't be taken. And what had happened is, bottom line, is the Old Testament says that uh, in Leviticus, And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. And so they took this verse, or a few other verses, in Deuteronomy, there's a couple places I've been reading about there too, that if we swear in God's name, that's binding. But if we swear in anybody else's name, it's not binding. Therefore, we can say things, and we not be held to it, and we won't be judged because we didn't keep our commitment. In Matthew, if you would turn there to 23, we're going to look at what Jesus said again in light of this in verse 16 through 22. Matthew 23, 16 to 22. Notice the attitude of the Pharisees that's being brought out here as they continued on with these flippant ideas and mindset of what's important, who we swear to and who we don't swear to. Because understand, bottom line... It's not about the object or the name or anything. It is the fact that we are before God in every incident. Get that? Every incident, there's a God who sees what's going on in our lives. Matthew twenty three sixteen says, Woe unto you, ye blind guys, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is in a debtor. Ye fools and blinds, for whether is greater the gold of the temple that sanctifies the gold, uh, or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever swears by the gift that is upon it, it shall uh, be he shall be guilty. Ye fools and blinds, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. Verse twenty-two. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, by him that sitteth thereon. Jesus Christ is trying to correct this attitude that people think that you've got to have a Bible to swear on to tell the truth. Yes or no? See what I'm saying? This is the false uh, aspect, the value of our words, how chaotic it would be for men not to be able to rely on men's uh, words. As they they say, and and so people make excuses. Well, I made that commitment. I made that vow. I made that pledge. But then to make excuses on top of those things. Or some people say, well, you know, if the pastor's around, I better talk right. (laughs) Or if I'm in church, as if in church or the pastor has anything to do with right or wrong. It is a God in heaven who will stand before. And as the Bible says... But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. How important it is to value our words. The flippant attitude that has come up, even as children, well, I had my fingers crossed. Well, on my mother's grave, do we really need our mother's grave? See, that's what he's bringing out here. That's the things. Then I want to get in something that that, uh, speaks to all of us. I'll be there. For better or for worse, we've talked about that. How about politicians? You know, in the modern day, everything can be recorded. And those words can come back. You know, we're going to have Alicia's... Memorial service uh, this coming Saturday at 11 o'clock at Berean Baptist. And uh, uh, I, since Alicia got ill a year ago, I've decided to save all of her emails that she sent me. And so I'm going to read you some of those of her life this past year. But there's a lot of things that are recorded out there Facebook, Twitter, emails, and things like that. Right? But this says, guess who's keeping the ultimate record? God is. I don't know about you, but I have a healthy respect. When you co-sign for something... You know, I did this when I was early on in my ministry. I co-signed for someone to get a phone uh, in their house. And... uh, Little did I realize that uh, there was shenanigans going on, and they started calling England. I, who in England would, they, would anybody know? And they left me, and this was back in 1979, they left me a uh, phone bill for over $200. And I called up the phone company and it says, isn't there something we can do? She said, Mr. Kaminsky, your signature is on the page. So guess what? You pay. Is it important to think through what we sign our name to? We're in an impulsive society today. Be careful the words, the things that we do. Sign for houses, papers, documents. Oh, people call with deception. Be careful our seniors. Emails, the venue, the tentacles that can come out in deception. You have won! A red flag always goes up. And oftentimes I hang up the phone immediately. If it sounds too good to be true, what have you heard? It probably is too good to be true. But let's also use this. This is kind of... You'll watch this on... HGTV or uh, remember when Home Improvement was, is it Home Improvement or that Tim Allen was, uh, you know, and people would come in to see their home and they would say, oh my God. I would hope that none of us would be saying that. We don't use God's name flippantly. He is a holy God. Amen and amen. I try to stay away from what they call oaths, which is those words that sound like things that shouldn't be said. And so we try to keep ourselves in our words. We're going to be held accountable. Someday. So these uh, prohibitions and what he brings out here now is 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 there in. But I say unto you, swear not. And he's bringing out now these prohibitions. And it's not that you don't have oaths or pledges or vows or things like that. But it's not these objects that are which you're putting the pledge on. It ought to be the integrity of your heart of which you are a man or woman of your word. You see that? Get that? Because uh, there, I, w- I went to a, a legal conference, and the Quakers uh, do not take oaths. They w- won't pledge, uh, they won't put their hand on the Bible, and Jehovah's Witnesses won't say the Pledge of Allegiance. And so people have taken this verse here and not gone and said these pledges of allegiance. And that's fine. You know, if a person takes that way, but in context, he is talking about do not take vows or oaths on substance. But understand, it is in the presence of God. We get that? That's what is being brought out here in this portion of Scriptures. Because we see throughout the Scriptures oaths being taken. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He wants us to be true to Our words. We see Abraham and his servant and his servant making a a commitment there. And Joseph to his brethren after his father's die, he makes a commitment. Jonathan makes a covenant with David. And listen to this passage here in uh, 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 Genesis 22. God said uh, and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord... For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, which is what we were reading in Sunday school this morning, that in in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed. As the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemy. God made that promise 4,000 years ago. He made the promise to Abraham that through thy seed, all nations shall be blessed. Is God true to his word? Absolutely. Praise the Lord for that. Here in Hebrews chapter 6, 16, 17. For men uh, verily swear by the greater and an oath uh, for confirmation is to them an end of all strife wherein God. Willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutable of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So understand, here's the concept. You don't have to have a Bible to swear on. But if you do swear on that Bible, it's not wrong. Does that make sense? That's what's being brought out here because God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he shows the, the, the he's actually emphasizing the promise by these commitments and, and, and everything, because everything God says is true. Isn't that isn't that right? But you'll see uh, throughout the scriptures, even Jesus would say, truly, I say unto you, Well, does that mean that he wasn't speaking true before he says truly? No, what he's doing is he's saying, I want to emphasize this. This is something to pay attention to. And then there's a a couple places in the scriptures where he says, truly, truly. Guess what? Pay real close attention. (laughs) Now, does that mean we shouldn't pay attention when he doesn't say truly, truly? No, you see what I'm saying? So there's there's this concept here that's being brought out. It's even in the negatives. You know, we are told in English, don't use double negatives. Well, the Greek uses double negatives, triple negatives, fourth negatives, and even fifth negative. There's only one place that a fifth negative is. And what he's trying to bring out when he brings out five negatives or four negatives or even two negatives is no, 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 no. Now, as you as a parent... You talk to your kids that way. You know, you might save a lot of time. Because your, fi- your kids have already figured out when you say no the first time, that doesn't mean no. That means just maybe. Do you think our kids need to understand we are parents of our word? Huh? Yes. I used to tell my children, speak once. Spanked twice. Was I always consistent with that? No. You know, so we're all in the same boat, right? We get, get sinners up your hands again, all right? But you say, no, 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 no. You get their attention. There's one place in the Bible where there's five negatives. You look at the structure in Hebrews 13, 5. Jesus Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In that context, there are five negatives in the Greek. Isn't that wonderful? God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm telling you what, that's why he says, be content with what you have. We can be content that God says, I'll never, 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 never leave you. Wow. You see, the Jews... The Jewish Christians, which Hebrews is written to, they struggled with that. They really struggled with that. They just couldn't get in their minds that Jesus died once for all, for all of our sins. And so over and over again, uh, the writer of Hebrews is trying to bring out this importance of what God says about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We come into other uh, places uh, uh, in the Bible. on my, you know, and, and uh, to the trivialness of of on my grandmother's grave, you know, people that use those kind of expressions oftentimes have a trouble with truth. So be careful. Well, I'm telling you the truth. Well, what were you doing before? <laughs> you see, so it, we should be people of our word. There should no be no doubt. But here, to to, to avoid divine judgment, they said, we're not going to use heaven, we're not going to use earth, we're not going to use, we're not even going to use our hair or the head. You see, I I have a sick sense of humor, but but the white and black there, the hair, I thought of Lady Clairol. Only your hairdresser really knows. All right, so. You say, what did that have to do with this? Nothing. I just tell you, I just have time where coffee just takes over and all of a sudden these these uh, things come up in my mind. (laughs) We are always in the presence of the Lord. And so the integrity, he says in verse 37, let your communication be. Yes, yes, no, no. For whatsoever is more than these cometh evil. May God help us. To have integrity. You see, God, whoops, where are we? Oh, I, I'm sorry, I hit too many buttons here. Oh, there's that, that double negative right up there. I got it up there. I didn't even realize I'd I'd put it up there for you. Uh, God hates lying. Now, let me quickly run through these. We all understand God hates lying. Do you know what commandment that is? Thou shalt not lie. Yeah, which, which number is it? That's your homework, all right? It's in there. (laughs) Thou shalt not raise a false report, but uh, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Deuteronomy 19. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong. Then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priest and the judge, which shall be in those days. You understand what's going on here? There's someone who says, all right, I'm going to side with you and we're going to try to get our way through this. Notice what happens in verse... Uh, mm. 18. And the judge shall make diligent inquisition, and behold, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. Isn't that interesting? That's a good concept there. That's a good uh, principle that we can think about. uh, Psalm 58 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. I didn't tell my little granddaughter, you're just an old liar, but, uh, but you know they, they go, they're born sinful. Proverbs six sixteen through 19, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that run to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies and he that soweth discord among his brethren. Do you notice how many deal with our tongue there? Proverbs 12.19, the lips of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Proverbs 14.5, a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Have you ever been lied to? Do unto others. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause and deceive not with thy lips. How about this story? How many know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Remember? They said, oh, yeah, we did this. And they hadn't done it. And God prompted Peter's heart. as sometimes happens to parents. Aren't you glad to be spirit led as a parent? That you can help your children through the times of their lives, or as a pastor, or as a teacher, or whatever facility you might be in. While it remained, Peter saying, Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, Was it not thine own? Uh, w- then why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? God. God is our witness. And we know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, that's a serious story right there. How about Colossians 3? Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on this new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. There have been times that I have lied. There have times where I've not told things the way they should have been told. Do you know what a good cure for that is? What do you think is a good cure? Go and make it right. Right? Go and make it right. I think we all hate lying as much as God hates lying. Daniel Webster said, There is nothing as powerful as truth and nothing as strange. Interesting words there uh, from Daniel Webster. Always be honest. Don't spread gospel. Value your words. Uh, do your words have value. Value what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Someone has said that silence could not be misquoted. Proverbs ten nineteen. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. And then our last verse. I say unto you, every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Father, I pray that you'll help us. Lord, help us to understand that decisions that we make, commitments that we make, that we need to uh, just understand the value of those relationships. I think we've come too casually into some of our commitments, our vows, our pledges. Even in our decisions that we've made in times, maybe some of our decisions during revival services. Lord, there's been decisions that have been made in my life. And the the importance of that decision is all so confirmed by the consistency of that decision. So, Lord, help us now. I'm glad that You are a merciful God. I'm glad that You are a gracious God. And I'm glad that we're preaching to myself and to a congregation that we understand. But yet, Lord, in the day and age that we live in, I'm afraid that maybe... Maybe we've lost sight of some of these things, so help us to make the right decisions now. And we'll praise you for that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Uh, this was not just an academic exercise. This is the Word of God that's been preached, and I tried to do it as carefully as intended by the Scriptures here and try to cover every aspect of, of this portion of Scriptures. If God has spoke to your heart about being more cautious doesn't mean you don't make pledges. It doesn't mean you don't make vows. In fact, I'll be honest with you, those pledges and those vows are like stakes that I put down in my life. And I remember them very clearly when God gets a hold of my heart and I put a stake down. Sometimes we have to go back to where we put that stake down and say, God, help me now from this point forward to... Go out and make right those things that I've done wrong. And if God spoke to your heart, however He spoke to your heart, you know, you can thank the Lord for Him speaking to your heart. But I want to say this also. As we make decisions even this morning, and I I encourage us to make decisions. It is a part of our growth. When I first got married, I made a decision to read the Bible through every year. It's going on 39 years. Am I glad that I made that decision? Absolutely. Oh, some, you don't realize the toil or the task that's before you. But when God lays something on your heart, go out for it. Because oftentimes we'll not change until some decisions are made. And we take them seriously before the Lord. And let me just say this. Whether we make a decision sitting in our pew or coming to an altar, is there any difference in God's eyes? Now, I'll tell you. I remember decisions when I've come to the altar. And sometimes when we make decisions in our pew, we can just kind of uh, get there and maybe not follow through. But really, decisions are decisions. And God sees our heart. I just want you all right now why don't we just, from the message today, say, You know, Lord, I, I'm making a decision. You can, you can put the value of this decision on how firm it can come into your soul. But, Lord, help me to be mindful of my words. You see what I'm saying? Help me to be mindful of when I put my signature on something. I really don't want to see our folks get in trouble because they put their signature on things foolishly. Or say something that has put them in a bind. How much better is it for us to think through processes before we make those commitments? And so that's my challenge this morning. Be people of our words. You say, well, most people aren't. That's true. But we're not most people. We are God's people. And therefore, we are living to a higher standard. It's God's standard. We understand what it means, do unto others, that we want done to ourselves. I want truth given to me. Therefore, I want to give out truth to others. So Lord, in these decisions, help them to be confirmed into your presence as we just yield ourselves and understand how, how weak we are. But yet, if we don't start becoming biblical thinkers, we'll continue on in courses that can get us into deeper troubles. So may this message be a good warning to all of us. And to those here this morning that don't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that, Lord, that they will will come to know Jesus today. And we're going to praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.